Neurotic Nourishment. I had never heard of the term until I talked to my guest today, Lindsay Wisner. Lindsay is just full of life and full of vigor and excitement and passion for what she does. I think that in our lives that many times we're not following the things that we really want to do. I applaud Lindsay for doing that and for taking the time to speak with me today. I think you'll see she's a ball of fire. She's amazing. She's fun. We jump all over the place. We just have a good time. Life's a lot about having a good time. Say yes to good times and say yes to good conversations. Enjoy the conversation that I had with Lindsay Wisner. Lindsay Wisner, I'm like, I know I, I booked this a long time ago. Was <laughs> there? You did, but it's given me given me a lot of time to stalk your episodes and get excited. Oh my so. gosh. You've been stalking my episodes. A little bit, yeah. What do you think so far? I like it. Um, I'm listening to uh, the woman who's talking about branding for doctors. Oh, Kristen Ruby, yeah. Yes. And um, it was really interesting and um, I wouldn't mind someone making me the next Dr. Oz, but, um, but, but I also agree that we need a, um, like, it's sort of like surgeons that have no bedside manners. A lot of doctors don't understand the marketing side of it. Um, and right. so it was interesting and at least for myself, I don't think it takes away from, I mean, I have a very loud social media presence and a podcast and a um, you know, uh, a book coming out and all these things. And I work with suicidal teens. So I think it all sort of goes together. Yeah. Well, that all sounds extremely interesting, by the way. <laughs> um, I think you're on my buddy's podcast, uh, Sean McCoy. The yes, to the I table. was. I like him so much. I did see that you had, sorry, I'm going to strip, I'm going to strip. Just You're stripping right now. Lindsay is stripping on the camera. I'm not going to release the video unless you pay me, <laughs> unless you pay me. I um, <laughs> at this point in my life, I think I'd have to pay people to watch the video. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I like Sean so much. It was so nice talking to him. He's uh, a great really guy. guy. Really chill. Like he was always texting with me and we're having good, these deep conversations. He sends me like music to listen to and stuff and. He's just a good guy. I'm going to be on his uh, podcast coming up here soon. But um, oh, nice! Yeah, he was super nice. He says my his wife and I are the same kind of people. So oh, I'm very nice. Arrange to talk to her because she has a pretty tough job. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's incredible. Well, I'm really thankful for you coming on. And uh, I was struck by the phrase. I think it's neurotic nourishment. Yeah. Yes. I want to get into this. I, I have not heard this phrase before. Hit me with the lowdown on this. Okay. So that is the name of uh, my podcast, which started because a very good friend and I were, she's a nutritionist and we were in the uh, playground with our kids over spring break last year. And we were joking around and someone said, you guys should start a podcast. And then we started playing with names and as like a writer, English major, um, bit of an OCD freak, I like things that rhyme or that I'm sorry that there's like alliteration. And yes. so I, we started throwing words around and at the time 
neurotic nourishment was like sh- her as the nutritionist and me as um, a neurotic and B the mental health expert. But mm-hmm. um, she has since left the show and parted amicably. And so I am the sole host. And so now it's taken on sort of new meaning in that I'm hoping I'm hoping to provide some sort of food for your soul, so to speak, uh, you know, and so except less holistic, cheesy, but, um, you know, I, like, I want you to learn something. I want to provide some everyday life psychology in terms that people can understand and in a way that gets others as excited as I am. But I also have, uh, found that one of the greatest things about having a podcast is being able to talk about things that make other people feel uncomfortable. Mm. And so, I really want to make it my so so now like the the angle is for me to be able to give to leave you with something more than what you had before or more than what you knew before. So I have discussed, you know, uh, what it's like to mom while white versus momming while um, black. I have this, and then uh, again, I had this huge issue of like, do I say black? Do I say African American? So I asked. I asked every question I've ever had you know i podcasted with a woman who lost her child um like at a very you know before their first birthday i have i podcasted with a dominatrix a dominatrix that's going to come in february and i'm all about it i want to listen to that one yeah it's i'll tell you when it airs and then like a polyamorous um Mm. family and so i'm trying to get us to talk more about things that make us uncomfortable because if we don't acknowledge our limitations and learn from it then we're just dumb you know i mean we're like we're not making us better people so yes i i think i have i'm sarcastic and i have um a bit of humor and wit to me and i you know, I have been known to tell my patients that if they kill themselves, I'm going to kill them, um, but only at the right moments. But, you know, sure. um, <laughs> so yeah. um, it's sort of I have two missions. One is to make you think and then to make you laugh and then also to give women's it's we're largely a female audience, but some sort of a, an intellectual outlet other than mothering. Gotcha. So one, those are some very interesting topics. Actually, it sounds like we're on a very similar pathway because I have some people coming on who have like one guy who's overcome porn addiction, like kink. Yeah, Yeah, actually, his is coming out next Monday, I want to say. It's pretty good. Um, He was very honest, super honest, which I appreciate. And then I have uh, kind of this whole sex series coming out with, uh, like when I mentioned you said about like, dominatrix so i was like i'm all about it i want to make it clear like i'm not doing it but i, I gotcha yeah <laughs> but i'm all about that uh opening people's eyes to different things that are going on so i have a lady coming on who's like uh you know talk about kink and erotica and the whole thing and i just think it's interesting stuff like i like also talking about things that maybe people are not putting out there right uh, and, like they keep it behind closed doors you know and right. I think, why why are we doing that? Why are we yeah. keeping this stuff? And it sounds like you're trying to get that out in the open too. Like, hey, let's just talk about this stuff. 
I definitely am. And I um, listen, not every episode. I, you know, I recorded about, you know, breast cancer, like, but not, I don't want everything just because it's a serious topic doesn't mean we have to handle it seriously. And I also think that part of this is me being able to be brave enough to ask the questions that I probably earlier in my, you know, youth would not have asked because I would have felt uncomfortable or awkward, or I would have just stuck my foot in my mouth with a, you know, blunt, brash comment that could be considered offensive. And now I still do the same thing, but only at PTA meetings. And otherwise, okay. yes, otherwise I like to, to encourage us to talk more openly about, about things that we don't, you know, we hide behind. What changed for you? What changed? I turned 40. Okay. Um, I know that's a weird thing, but a friend of mine had told me that that would be because I was like dreading it the same way I dreaded 30 and she said it's it's really empowering for some reason you start to know your own worth and I do feel like I know my own worth more now and also I never thought I would ever work with suicidal patients because um my own mother struggles with mental illness um substance abuse and has attempted suicide multiple like times and so to me that was always something I didn't think I could handle and when I accidentally became the resident expert on uh, suicidal teens I realized it was because I was able to sit and hear without reacting because for better or for worse I've been conditioned to this bizarre detachment that you have to have when it's a loved one um, Right. And so, and my parents don't know what a podcast is, so I get to talk about this all the time. Um, <laughs> and it's empowering to find my voice and finally talk about the things that I was either directly or indirectly told not to talk about in my youth. So how has that manifested itself? Or what's been the result of you having these conversations? How has it affected you personally? Um, which conversations in particular? Any of them. Just like being able to have these conversations that are maybe um behind closed doors in the past but now that they're out in the open has that been freeing for you or what's the emotion that you've experienced since doing that it's it's very freeing and it's given me a place to put some of my anger and frustration at um either things that have happened to me or things that have happened to other people it's um it's also reminded me of um, the importance of trying to like really destigmatize mental health because otherwise we're, it's like, you're not only depressed and suicidal, but you, sh we are putting shame on someone that they, you know, like, okay, you, what, you've got eight bags of groceries. Here's a 40th, you know? So I've, I like, being confident and comfortable enough to talk about these things. And then also to admit when I don't know anything, you know, um, there's no harm in asking. There's no harm in trying. I, I always wanted a third kid. Maybe this third, like this new branch of my career, the podcast, the book, uh, maybe this is my third child. So it could be, I mean, it's what you're giving energy to. It sounds like the energy is allowing people to come on and be, be themselves and to discuss 
some very um, what, what people might consider deep, dark secrets that they may have. Or, and yeah. I find that I've had a lot of similar people and I tell them they get really nervous. I said, your story is going to help somebody. You know, people are listening to you don't know who listens to your podcast. I mean, there may be metrics and stuff, but I'm always surprised about people who are listening that never say anything. And all of a sudden they say, oh, yeah, I've been checking this out. I'm like, really? Yeah, like, same. I haven't, you've made no mention of this at all. Right. You know, like ever. Yeah. And all of a sudden just pops up, you know. It's it's exciting. You know, I, um, one of the, like with my, the, the book, my book as uh, my book, 10 Steps to Finding Happy, as I like to say, A, it should have been called happier and B, um, it's, uh, I think the book is good. I have had, some of the, you know, readers, like readers, reviewers say that it really made a difference or made them look at life differently. And that's huge because I am not a self-help book reader and never thought, you know, like I, th I thought The Secret gave people a lot of new vocabulary to use, but I never thought a vision <laughs> board was going to change the world. But, um, but once I started getting more and more involved in suicide awareness and, you know, speaking out about it and the destigmatizing, I, um, I decided that this book and the launch of this book is sort of my platform for um, bringing awareness to the need to destigmatize mental health. And so I literally, I made these postcards. It's essentially the cover of my book. They're oversized yes. postcards. I made 3,000 of them. <laughs> you pumped it and up, 3,000. 3,000, and I have been sending them all across the country. Nope, all across the world. I've had to figure out how to address stuff to England. Um, for anyone yeah. who wants to be a part of it, and then I'm trying to launch this, you know, like social movement where on March 20th, um, when the book is released, it's the International Day of Happiness, and I want people to post a picture of like themselves holding this and using the stigma you know, 10 steps and this hashtag 10 steps and the stigma hashtag mental health awareness. And I just want to reach one person who is struggling and have them know they're not alone. You know, I, I think you're going to do that well before March 20th <laughs> and it's been happening. I would uh, imagine. I hope so. I hope so. But that means I'll be hounding you for your address at some point. Yes, you should do that. We should definitely do that. So, you know, have, have you seen a lot of, I'm sure you have, it seems like there's a lot of information related to an increase in suicide amongst teenagers and yeah. this time and age. What's your take on that? What do you think the root cause of this is? Well, it's not what you think it is. Mm. It's not what everyone else thinks it is. What do they think so, it is? What do you think it is? Isolation, loneliness, um, Lack of parental involvement, bullying. Um, I'm just okay. throwing a lot of things out. Interesting, here. but you missed the thing that we all like to blame everything on. Social, media? social media, right? <laughs> it's actually not social media. It is um, so contagion among suicidal contagion is very common among teenagers. You know, you no, can wait, 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 let me back up. Suicidal contagion. Suicide is contagious. Let's talk about that. I've never heard that before. Explain further. Uh, I am in a, you know, I'm in Long Island, New York. I'm in a small-ish town. There's a bunch of small-ish towns. We're very, although we're 45 minutes from the city, we're um, the city of Manhattan. It's, a, it's very suburban. Like, we move out here for the white picket fences. My last house literally had a white picket fence. 
And right. so, and also it's sort of children of the corn, like where every, like oh, if you wow. grow up here, you go away and then you move back here with your family. It's, it's weird. Really? But yeah, I mean, in a small town, you feel where it's nice and, you know, and also creepy. And if I had grown up here, I would never move back here. But I didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> but my husband did. So, I like these tangents you go on. I know. Pretty funny. They're hilarious, and, by the way. You know what? I think my ADD meds is, is just failing me. Actually. No, it's good. I, I think you should have tangents. It makes, I don't know. I just, it's just funny. I agree. I also hate when people are like, let's get back to the topic. I'm like, there are, are you kidding topics. me? Are you kidding me? I listen. I'll believe me. We'll get back to the contagion coming no, up. No, we here. are but going to the contagion. So we're going to get to it. But it's okay to have sidetracks here a little. That's good because I get sidetracked. What are you um, doing? Like, what is that? I'm taking like, my ADD meds. <laughs> like looking. I'm like, what is that with the bag? Like, um, because I was supposed to take it and I forgot. Um, I just got diagnosed six months ago. Um, before that, I thought I was just a struggle bus, and so now it turns right, out. Right. I am a struggle boss, but I've managed to get this far. So, you know. Yeah, okay. Mm. The medication is, is being taken. So, yeah, anyways. Thumbs up. I am pro meds when used appropriately. So, uh, small town, two, two, like one or two towns over in January of last year, 2019. Uh, boy who had just graduated from high school killed himself within a month. A girl that was went to the same high school killed herself in the same way. And then fast forward to September of this year in my town, a third boy, a third child, um, this kid was a child, he was 15, like, you know, um, killed himself in the same manner. Uh, these, like, clusters are not uncommon. And, in fact, um, they're very common. And... That show, 13 Reasons Why, where I was, yes. yeah, it was deeply traumatic. I mean, but it turned, and I was adamantly against, I was like, people were arguing that this would cause um, teenagers to commit suicide, and I argued vehemently against it, and in fact, it did. Um, the number of suicides uh, in, like, that year and the next year, whatever, um, spiked significantly versus previous years so there is a contagious element of it and guess what is responsible for that tell me the 24-hour news cycle hmm. all it, right explain so when we you know it used to be that you had an hour of news we didn't used to have like a cnn and a c-span and a you know um constant news coverage and so information wasn't transmitted as quickly or in the same manner you know um i imagine school shootings are contagious in a similar way actually but because we're now you know it, it, we're now i don't want to say glorifying but we are we have this constant need for more information and it really is quite invasive and if you look at the the numbers, the demographics, it, it's the suicide contagion spiked before the, um, you know, the, the real rise in social media. It was long before, 2000, you know, 2008 was Facebook. It was long before 2008. It was 
I can't remember the year to be perfectly honest and I'm blanking on it, but it was much earlier that this, this started emerging. And of course, now that we have eight different ways to communicate with each other, uh, it's gotten worse. And if you think about it, it's just basic social psychology. You know, there's a leader, there's a message, there's how the leader communicates and um, what the message is. And the kids that, at least the three that I'm referring to that committed suicide were, were all like, you know, kids that people liked. There wasn't any bullying. There wasn't any, um, you know, generally what happens is someone is really, when you're really depressed and re like you can't get it together to commit suicide, but usually people attempt suicide when things start to get a little better and then something bad happens. And then the adults, we were, you know, we go to our social psychology and we attempt to find reason and logic uh, where there may not be any. And we, we place reason, like he was being bullied. Her mom was beating her. Um, his girlfriend had just broken up with her. Whatever it is, it's like a not my family, not my, you know, not in my home subconscious mentality and the rumors start flying and this you know uh the adult community members distance ourselves and then the teens the kids who are actually much better tapped into what's going on and what was going on with the kid they start thinking about their own life and um often more you know more attempts follow i was very upset because in my town when this most recent suicide happened in september uh, the family asked, I don't know if it's asking or denial, but it was referred to repeatedly as a tragic accident by the school, the, um, newspapers, the, um, whatnot. It was not a tra like, it was a tragedy. It was not, it was a very deliberate, um, you know, action. And the teenagers that I spoke to from the high school, they were very pissed at the way the school handled it, you know, and off the record, so were some of the, uh, ment you know, mental health or the uh, support staff or whatever we call it that I spoke, that I have relationships, you know, the school handled it the way they had to, the district handled it the way they had to. But my biggest concern was, are we going to create more copycat suicides by not addressing it, by shaming people into silence and in fact what happened was i got an influx of uh suicidal teenage patients as a result of these deaths because i think parents started asking questions and kids started talking about it what's so. the i'm still kind of thinking about this contagion you know it's like what's the pull towards teenagers feeling like oh they did that so i'm gonna do it too like, what's the attraction? To, I don't, to I don't think it's like a conscious. I think it's, I think it depends on the teen and the, you know, I think in some cases it's something that they've been thinking about for a while and it becomes more real that someone else has done it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's often described to me as like when someone is suicidal every day is literally a battle with themselves and 
depression is exhausting. It is exhausting to have to go around pretending that you're just like everyone else or acting happy or trying to go through the daily activities that other people can do without an issue. You know, it is absolutely exhausting. So if you see someone else who finds a way to get out of it and to, you know, get out of the cycle of pain, it's sort of like vaping, like, you know, it's, you shouldn't do it. And, you know, but, or driving drunk, like, you know, you shouldn't, but if someone else does it, it becomes more socially acceptable. So interesting though. It's kind of like, and, and, and some of, and many of those things, it's kind of like, okay, may, maybe you come back from it. Maybe there's another chance. Um, but on these things to see somebody take their life, to hear about it, take their life and be like, yo, no, this is the end game. Like yeah. that people are, that there's a contagion of the end game. Right. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to fathom to me that people are like teenagers specifically are like, yeah, I want to do that too, because it became viable because somebody else did it. Well, remind me what your doctorate is in. My doctorate is in sports education leadership uh, with the emphasis and behavior modification in Very sports and exercise setting. So it's a sport and exercise setting based psychology degree. Very interesting. Um, yeah. Like a sports psychology type thing? Uh, similar to that, uh, but very much in like creating interventions for people to become consistent and a desirable behavior they have in a sports and exercise setting. So real basic, like somebody wants to exercise more often, they want to start a program and they want to be continuous with it. I will, you know, use different theories and uh, different behaviors, like shaping behaviors to keep them regular in their program. And it may be very, it's nothing like super formal. It's just certain words or like certain, like these small things lead to larger victories. There are a lot, of course, a lot of um, positive psychology uh, things focus on your strengths and all that. Um, but it's uh, definitely something focused on primarily like how do we keep people being uh, ac exercising or being active or performing well in their sport with that. Interesting. Yeah, I um, the only time I ever get to watch any sort of television is on the treadmill. So that is how mm -hmm. I keep that has been my motivation. And so, um, you know, oh, and also I when I started, I challenged myself to 30 workouts in 30 days and that mm -hmm. made it a habit, frankly, you know. A lot of it is just, it's it's creating, I always, and somebody goes, well, what's the secret? What's the key? And I say, well, I would say the big overarching theme is creating less friction in your life. Interesting. It's all about friction, the concept of friction and saying, okay, what is, is there a lot of friction in your life? Whether that friction is a, um, a significant other who is not supportive of your getting in better condition? Uh, is it that the friction is how far away from, let's say the desired location you want to work out at is, mm -hmm. you know, there's all these friction points. And if you can alleviate or decrease the friction somebody has, the simple things like, hey, why don't you just wear your exercise clothes um, before you like during the day so that, you know, and that's like companies that are like Lululemon and all these things, they've, be, they've made that type of clothing acceptable for people yeah. to wear, to like pick their kids up and stuff. So it's like people are, they're creating less friction, whether they know it or not, 
to go and work out. But the funny thing is a lot of people wear those type of clothes actually don't work out. So I'm not sure how well it's working for a lot of those things. You know? It's yeah, no, I agree. That's really interesting. You have a, it's an interesting field. I, I knew nothing about, um, you know, my, I mean, my doctorate is in clinical psychology, but I, yeah. I took the neuro, neuropsych class, neurobiology, whatever uh-huh. the heck it was called. I took it in, you know, college, and then I took it before grad school when I was trying to decide if I should, if I want to go to grad school. And then, of course, I took it again in graduate school, and that is helpful for me because I have, as a result of my short attention span, I have problems, um, you know, uh, following like a complicated series of tasks. Yeah. So I, but as it turns out, and I'm glad you asked because. Recently, uh, so I've started writing my next book, which is going to be for teenagers and parents to help them better Mm -hmm. understand suicidal thoughts. So I was looking up, you know, the prefrontal, exactly, (laughs) Uh, what happens when your mouth runs out? Um, The the prefrontal cortex um, doesn't fully develop until you're 25 years old, Mm -hmm. roughly. Yeah. But at... Um, at, uh, like 11, 12, 13, you've got the hormones that are surging and, um, you know, the limbic system is sending out these, uh, crazy, like, uh, uh, not attention seeking, but like sensation seeking behavior and risk taking and the, I'm going to mess up the name. I think it's called the nuclear ambulus, but I'm totally mm-hmm. destroying it. It doesn't matter. It's tough to pronounce is is telling you like go out do fun things try new things go out go out and the prefrontal cortex which i like to call pam pam is basically like your friend who gets you who makes sure that you don't drink too much or you drink water or you get off the table and stop dancing and don't go home with that sketchy dude pam's in the (laughs) front you know like pam's in the front of the bar and your bad influence friends are in the back of the bar right and like and literally like your prefrontal cortex is you know up here by your forehead and then your but your synapses start growing and functioning and developing in the back and that makes sense because that's where the brain stem is and yes we need to survive but so the teenage brain is telling you go out try new things do this you know immediate gratification um and their prefrontal cortex hasn't yet developed in a way to support decision-making, weighing pros and cons, executive functioning. So they're the worst at like, I mean, that's why we've got all the, you know, nudie pics going around, you know, or the impulsiveness. Yeah. You know, the substance uh, experimentation and, or abuse as the case may be. And here's the thing, we need that sensation-seeking trying new things, gratification aspect of our, um, of our brains to develop, because otherwise we would stay in our parents' houses for the rest of our life and have no desire to move on or to try new things or to get jobs or to have the, the courage, you know, so we need this sensation seeking behavior in order to function but the brain has messed up in the develop in this, you know, like this process was made wrong. And so you're trying new things or having all these like extreme emotions where when your body is changing and your, you know, 
like physically or feel awkward or um, emotionally you're super sensitive and you've got this whole jumble of stuff going around and Pam has not gotten to the front of the bar to protect you from yourself. Um, Sometimes Pam doesn't work when you're older either. Huh? I know, <laughs> I know. But and how do you think I came up with this analogy? Uh, I got it. I got it. What is with the nudie pics? Or as or I'm gonna just say it. What's with the dick pics, man? Oh, but what I didn't know with... if I was allowed to. I you can know. say whatever you want on here, okay? I thought I would have dropped so many f bombs so so much sooner. Don't worry um, about it. Just say whatever you want to say. You know. Um. You know. I think that the dick pics and the and now that they do like bra pics in high school and bra pics. Um, bra pics you know like because the girls reason it out is like oh it's just the same as a bathing suit but you know it's what? um yeah <laughs> yeah and I'm then of course, sure <laughs> i know and then one person spreads it to another spreads it to another but it's an experimentation in sexuality you know it's it's there's also something about removing yourself like when you take a picture it's sort of um removing yourself from the situation by putting one more thing in front of you and the sure. activity. You know, I I personally, when something ridiculous happens, like good, bad, whatever, or if I walk in on like my kid doing something and I can't even believe it, like um, I walked in on one of my children naked in the kitchen making lunch for them and their sibling for the next day. And I was yeah. like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> This, this, right, it's hysterical. <laughs> and the first thing I did was take a picture, which my husband then made me delete because it's kitty porn. <laughs> but I was like, like, they were trying to be helpful, but this child also has uh, attention issues. And so much like me, it's <laughs> one thing and then totally distracted. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, and uh, that had nothing to do with sexuality, uh, but on the child's part, <laughs> It's just it's distractibility. <laughs> like I forgot to put on my clothes. Right, me, like, okay? <laughs> right. But like I literally picked up my phone, took a picture, and then of course didn't send it to anyone because kitty porn and the child covered their, you know, nether regions and whatever. But so I, you know, it's like we have this, it's a way to to um to protect ourselves. Like a camera is almost like a weapon in a sense where it makes you feel safe. And so, you know, it's just a picture. What's the big deal? And then it's really pretty destructive. And also, yeah. like, like girls are, the desire to be sexy is starts a lot earlier. Like, my yeah. eight-year-old and I have, art, well, she's now nine, but, like, last summer we had a lot of arguments about the length of her shorts. Because um, yeah. I don't see a reason to sexualize a child. Um my daughter's yeah. eight. We had to have the same conversation. She wants to really wear these like booty shorts. They're really yeah. tight. Yeah. I'm like, you're not wearing these, man. I'm like, this is. I was telling my wife, I'm like, this feels so early for all this stuff, but it seems pretty common these days, you know? It is pretty common. I think, um, honestly, I. I want, there's a podcast about the fall of Rome and I really want to listen to it because I'm pretty sure we're heading in that direction um, because it just seems like we're sort of deteriorating and loosening our moral standards. And I don't mean, I'm not talking about like um, the sanctity of marriage or homosexuality or 
polygamy or, you know, anything like that. I'm just talking about sort of how we raise children and the values we um, try to pass on, you know, and it's tough. And part of it is that, I mean, uh, you know, we like we need a two family income in order to survive. And so how, how do you do it all, um, you know, and, and still raise kids that aren't little mini whores. So I don't know. Mm. Wow. Uh, isn't the fall of Rome kind of a whole thing? Uh, bec becoming kind of, you know, fat, lazy, um, not really focused on kind of the hardcore elements of what the previous civilization was. It was just kind of like, hey, opulence. We're chilling um, a lot. I, I mean, I don't know completely. I've kind I of heard around know. it. All I don't know, but I, I, I know a lot of people relate the fall of Rome also to homosexuality, which is why I'm in what way? Like what it when um I don't know, something with Aristotle or one of those dudes. I don't really <laughs> like know. one of those dudes. One of those dudes. Either way, I don't mean it in that way. I just mean it in like a shifting in values. Yeah, but like opulence, yeah. Sure, like over the top indulgence. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I think there is a deterioration that I had. I can only speak of what I see because I can't speak for other people. I mean, I'm not in I'm not in their experiences. But what I see is is kind of a lack of like very um, like etiquette behavior. Yeah. Like I see people like people don't look at each other anymore and say hello unless you're in certain like I'm in a state, Washington, where people always say hi to each other. They don't know each other from anything. And they're very cordial and they want to help you regardless of whether they know you. I have, I've lived almost all over the United States. That is not common in the United States. And, uh, and, and what I've seen is kind of a deterioration of helping each other and, and more isolation and cutting off of each other and say, hey, listen, I really don't want to get out there. I'm just going to live my life, concern myself with me. I think that's very destructive because I think our community as human beings, as a species, I think it's designed to be around each other and help each 100%. other, be, right? And be helpful to each other and help the civilization grow. Civilization meaning humans, not different sex of humans, but different, the human species grow. And I feel like we're just trying to like, basically we're not, like, oh, let's just hide in my garage and close the, the windows, pull the blinds down. Let's not really, you know, connect. And I think that is a deterioration that is really destructive, I think. I agree. I, you know, I, I only went on social media. I mean, Facebook I've had since 2008, but like, I only went on Instagram and all this, like everything has unfolded for me in the last, God, I think six months is when I, you mm -hmm. know, became a part of this. But for me, the greatest thing about Instagram, which I swore I would never do because it was too complicated, but <laughs> is finding people who like think similarly to me, finding moms that like, struggle and admit to their mistakes and admit to their children's imperfections and really being able to have some place to put my feelings at the you know end of the day because although my husband is fantastic and I you know my best friend is great like these are people that you know you self-select through hashtags and hopefully <laughs> you know, so, or support, or like your people, you find your, you know, your fellow yeah. struggles. I mean, um, my, I'll tell you my proud 
mom moment because our kids, our daughters are the same age. Um, a few, there is a mom who is not very nice in town and her husband who is super duper crazy pants. The only person I've ever seen get kicked out of a board meeting in a small town. Um, yeah because he's just insane and um their daughter is really not nice and is a bully and is constantly complaining to the school that she is being targeted and bullied so um she and my daughter have like an overlap in like friends acquaintances and also i raised my kid to be nice and so my daughter's walking down the hall and she says hi and the girl says hi yourself ugly face Wow. It's not nice. I said, are, are you okay? Like, how do you feel? You know, like, I'm thinking, who do I kill first? But like, <laughs> you know, are you okay? How do you feel? And she goes, I'm fine. I'm beautiful. She's just a bee. I was like, yeah, okay. I'll give it to <laughs> but she didn't use the word. She said bee. And so, bee, yeah, yeah. And so it is true. But um, I think we also forget to be kind. And, yes. you know, we forget to raise kind children and we're focusing on, you know, grades and co we're crafting college resumes in the, eight, you know, in the sixth grade. So it's a lot of pressure. I can tell you I'm not doing that. There's no college resumes being crafted right now. <laughs> you know, it's like, I just think it's crazy. I think I let children be children, but you need to give them structure and boundaries and you need to teach them to be kind to other people. My daughter sees me saying hello to like every single person that I walk by. Yeah. You know what? She starts doing it too. She's like, hey, how's it going? Blah, blah. And then everybody's so surprised by that all the time. I'm like, it's really, they're mimicking your behavior. It's like any behavior. It's learned either like in one big, I'm sure you probably know, but in, in, in sports psychology or in exercise psychology, there's this whole learned helplessness you know, yeah, behavior, there, there's right? learned I mean, helplessness like, in everything. Yeah. Right. It's like you can learn to be helpless. You can learn to be positive. You know, like Albert Bandura was big into that, you know, um, social learning behavior. You know, I, I'm really big proponent of that and that people are out to have their own personalities and stuff, but they also look what and see. My daughter's watching me to see how I act, how sure. I enter, how I handle certain situations. And at eight years old, she will surely tell me about it. Oh, dad, I saw you act like that with that person. I see what you did there. You know, like I'm on blast all the time. Same. So and, my son right? has, and my son has my own sarcastic sense of humor, you know, right. and uh, apparently I've raised my daughter with less, you know, uh, body issues that I have, which thank God, you know, and that's yeah. I think the best we can hope for is to make different mistakes than our parents because we're all mm -hmm. going to make mistakes. There's no perfect parents. Yeah. You know, so but don't um, send those bra pics though. Don't be sending those bra pics, man. No, they're <laughs> just going to go around and it's crazy. Oh, I don't understand. I, I mean, I suppose like when I'm 41, I suppose like when I was in high school or junior high, it wouldn't have mattered because that would have had, if we had social media and all that stuff we had phones we would have done that too like people in our age would have probably done the same behavior I don't if we had those things no if we I had the, if we had smartphones if we had smartphones okay, during that time. so i'm 42 so we're the same age and so when 
It's funny because um, we had uh, a few years ago, uh, you know, New York was hit by Hurricane Sandy and it was particularly yeah, yeah. destructive in my town and there was no gas to be had and gas stations and whatnot. Yes. Yes. And through social media, a, a guy that I had gone to middle school with reached out to me because I was complaining about the gas lines. And he's like, hey, he worked for a he was like a like a drug rep or something, but like for uh -huh. medical devices. And so as a way to schmooze, they had, um, you know, loaded up his car with supplies, et cetera. And he was coming down. He was in Maryland. He was coming down here to to like schmooze with the doctors and whatnot with water and uh it was a brilliant strategy but p.s he in fact um offered to bring me you know gas and he did and one of the things so we reconnected and one of the second things out of his mouth after we decided on like you know the gas exchange place was you know i still remember you were the first girl to wear a bra in fifth grade <laughs> like, yeah really that's that's i was thank you but uh but no one ever <laughs> Like, <laughs> no one ever told, like, no one said anything. No one, like, snapped my bra strap. No one, you know, ever asked, you know, for anything. Like, I think it was different because also, like, guys in middle school are asking girls to, you know, they're asking for these pictures. They're asking them for, to flash them in person, you know? Wow. Um, you know, that I could, you know what? So, yeah, that wouldn't have happened when I was, when I was that age, guys were not doing that. They definitely weren't doing that. See? But I think like, but I think it's hard for me to know completely because if they had this phone, which is so addictive to so many people and that teenage mind, I think some guys would be doing it and some girls, there, there may have been some people. It just takes one person to start doing it. I don't I think, think there may have been some. I don't think they would You don't think they would have thought? But if they had the option though. I mean, listen, back when we had beepers, like the worst- I had a beeper. Yeah, my husband had one. You could you could write out boob, you know, or like yeah. on the calculators, you know, like we were just on it was a, a different Yeah, eight zero zero eight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I just don't think based on what we saw on television and in social, you know, um like social situations. Yeah, I mean I just don't think we would have been doing it. I think it's been this slow exposure. Oh, except except that a, about a month ago I went on a Little House on the Prairie podcast and spoke yeah. about the Little House on the Prairie rape episode. Mhm. Mm Did you know there was a Little House on the Prairie rape episode? No. Yeah, no one does. But it was it was about a 14-year-old girl being raped by a guy in a mime outfit and then slut-shamed and then she dies. Uh, it was unbelievable. And wow. um, so other than that, which I don't think got a lot of airplay because it was the seventh season of, you know, Little House on the Prairie. Well, like, I mean, yeah, it was all a lot more tame. Like James Bond was the worst, you know, sexual innuendos. I mean, you're giving you're making me think, you know, listen, that we were better. You know, we're better than these guys. now. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're just better. We're better than these these weirdos now. I just I don't know. But. No, it's an interesting back and forth, I think. I, I I would say there's a lot of validity to what you're saying. Cause now I'm really thinking about like what was it like back then? But then I still think it's gonna there's, there's definitely a couple of guys that I knew in high school. If they had it and they knew how to use it, eh, they probably would have done something weird. 
Yeah, they, but they I don't know if it would be that. Tests, you know? Ouch. <laughs> like, I, don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, are these the guys that, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I'm sure. I don't know. Listen. I just think, you know, could have been one. Good at least. I don't know. I just think, how do I know they have the power of this phone and they have the same functions we have today, the cameras, the whole thing. Let's say they had social media. I don't know. Would it be the same? Would it be different? Maybe our values were different and we would have abstained from some of these things. Or our parents were allowed I'm to not beat sure. our I'm not asses, cool. you know? Like, yeah, you know, my mom definitely beat my ass, man. Yeah. I ain't going to lie about that. I mean, I got, you know, did you ever get the ruler? I got the ruler when I was, like, really young. No. Like, like, like when the teachers, do you remember when teachers could spank students? Are you sure you're 41 and not 91? I'm 41, I'm telling you. <laughs> I got, I, it happened one time when I was really young, and she slapped it, and it, it broke. It broke. Wow. I remember that. I would yeah. shut up uh, and beat is... your teacher's ass if I was your mom. No, my mom probably gave me a second helping of that afterwards. <laughs> I was not the best behaved, like, like two through eight year old. Probably, you know, I was a boy. I was very wild. My brother and I, you know, and then I just mellowed out. I se severely just mellowed out after that. I remember Show... the last thing I got. Yeah. I was like ten. Show me and, a, a well-behaved two through eight-year-old. They're all pains I know, in the ass. I know. And I remember I told my mom, I'm like, I'm done getting spanked, man. <laughs> and I just, I told her, I said, I'm done with this. And I, and I just started behaving. It's like I just wanted to then. That's when I decided I wanted to be good. <laughs> it just and happened. And your mom now. shaped your behavior, which is My mom, why. you know what? I never regret any of that. Yeah. My mom may or may not listen to this. I don't, it doesn't matter. But, but like... She it was tough. Matter if... It doesn't matter because I don't care about the blowback. If there's any blowback, for uh, that's what okay. I mean. Yeah, no, no. It ma of course, it's nice if she listens to it, but I'm not. She, I don't think she would care. She'd be like, "Yeah, you, I, you needed discipline," and that was back then when there was a lot of that going on. Maybe there is more now. I don't know, but um, there is, I don't regret but, it though. There is, but only in certain like. Um... You know, it's like, I think it's like an ethnic cultural thing and yeah. um, based on that. But no, I meant it in a positive way. Like your mom was able to shape your behavior and now your yeah. profession is shaping other people's behavior. My, that is true. What a connection you just made there. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, you know, I think for me, like what I've learned the most about my education and my experiences is that people um, have a great power inside them to be a facilitator for good and for bad. Sure. You can grow both those things amazingly well. And I choose to be good. I choose to do the things that maybe aren't as sensationalized or popular in pop culture. And being good is not popular. It's not like this thing that gets you like all these views and everybody's like, look at this guy who's so positive. Like we're just, just millions of people rallied around this positive person. Like, you know, and it's, it's like people rally around negativity they like rally around maybe that rally is not the right word but they they move towards like the tv shows the the news they they they're they're, con they're connected to it like even if they're like that's terrible they're still watching it yeah you know they're still being pulled to even you say oh this is terrible but then you're, it's like the car crash this is bad but everybody rushes out to watch if you're on the highway and there's a car crash and there's and there's you know paramedics are on site and everybody's taking care of it it's still like an hour wait on the on the road. Yeah, people I, are addicted to the car crash. 
I don't, I don't know if I choose to be good or bad. I think I choose to be like Harley Quinn in this new uh, Canary Girls no, movie. Uh, oh, the you, Birds of Prey, yeah. Yeah, are you a superhero I'm not, person? I'm big into superhero movies. Honestly, I'm not going to go watch that movie. I'm Honestly, I am. I absolutely am. And, um, but that's because we're, we're a huge superhero family. But uh, Harley Quinn was a psychologist. And yes. then she fell in love with the Joker. But in this movie, she is like a bad guy, good guy. And so I think that part I like. And I think Did I... Did you like Jared Leto's Joker? Did you... Well, I mean, if you're asking me if I was completely impressed and horrified by it, yes. Okay. Um, and I also like to, its take on the mental health system because I do believe our mental health system is broken. I, I totally agree with that. Totally yeah. agree. I like so superheroes. I'm a big superhero movie person. But not Harley Quinn? But not Harley. I know. I mean, I like Suicide Squad, but The Birds of Prey, I don't know. I'm just, I wasn't impressed with the trailer. I just wasn't that into it. I was like, eh, eh. I mean, I don't know. It's going to come out in like a week and a half after it comes out of the movie. No way. Actually, you barely have to go to the movies now. It'll be out in a month after the movies. I think you're right. Oh, no, I'm not going to go see it in the theater. I mean, oh, that's, right. that's what I thought you were saying. I have children. When would I do that? Like, no. No. <laughs> no, I might watch it on like on demand or something like that, but I'm not going to the movies to watch. Yeah, valid. Valid point. I'm I agree just saying, it seems like a sub superhero deal like it's not like an a level a woman <clears throat> no and i know you're gonna say i have feel i have a feeling you're gonna say that it just doesn't seem exciting to me i don't know it's just not exciting i love the female superheroes wonder woman is like that was one of my favorite movies man and yeah. wonder woman 1984 is coming out i'm pretty pumped about it very pumped about it i am very pumped too like soup like more than i probably should be pumped about, really you know? Now I gotta get more pumped. I'm excited for um, Black Widow. You know what? I'm undecided. You know, only, only you're shaking your head at me right now. I I, I like the character. She doesn't have any you, superpowers. That's okay. Who's your favorite superhero? Oh, that's a pretty loaded question, right? Yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> like, actually, so you're gonna combat me because I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that it's uh, Captain America, and you're like, well, he was injected with like. The super serum. I mean, basically has superpowers. You know, Why I like him. Oh, he's a is positive it guy. He's a good guy. He's a positive guy. Yeah, I don't really like villains. I don't, but the only villain I've really liked is Thanos because he's very poetic, actually. Yeah, I thought that was cool too. Um, I my favorite superhero is Green Lantern because anything he imagines, he can create. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's a pretty I good one. You. That's and a pretty true. good one. No it still hasn't been done well, though. The Ryan Reynolds one was not very good. Fine, but it was very pretty to look at. <laughs> See this old... <laughs> you know what we've done here? We've, we've disagreed. Totally we've topic. disagreed, <laughs> and we've agreed, and that's a conversation. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. You know what, Lindsay? There's going to be a part two of this, I feel. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I want. And when I, you know, the book comes out, I want your help promoting it. And I yeah. really want your help talking about raising suicide awareness and ending the stigma. I'm totally into it. I think it's a positive um, direction to be going in and to, you know, help people who are afflicted, and especially teenagers. I have a huge heart for teenagers. I identify quite a bit with teenagers. Um 
worked with many teenagers and, and training them, you know, physically and stuff, personal training. And I just get that mentality. I get that time, the awkwardness, the feelings, the emotions. So uh, helping teenagers is a really worthwhile endeavor to me. So yeah, I want to have you on again. Let's talk further about it. Clearly, we're going to go on many tangents every time. I'm fine with that. Which I, which I love. I love, by the way. Well, thank you for being on, Lindsay, and um, we will definitely be in touch, I promise you. Sounds good. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good one. You Later. too. Bye-bye.